This is Tom Fox, and I would like to welcome you greetings and felicitations. In this podcast series, I'm going to be visiting with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, historians, and a wide variety of other people on topics that are outside the area of compliance, but are of great interest to myself and to listeners to the Compliance Podcast Network. This episode begins a five-part series where I look at great structures from antiquity to modern times, consider the form, function, and structure of each, and use that as a lens to explore topics in a best practices compliance program. I hope you'll enjoy this special series on greetings and felicitations. In this episode three, we look at the Roman arch and resourcing your compliance program. Part three, the Roman arch and resourcing your compliance program. Stephen Ressler said, when I think of Rome, the first image that comes to mind is an arch. It represents, rather it is present in aqueducts and even in the triumphal arches that adorn the city of Rome and the city gates and even in the Colosseum. The arch was a major engineering advancement because the prior method for transversing horizontal distance was the the beam which was limited in its use. Ressler went on to note, because the arch carries its load entirely in compression, its span isn't limited by the tensile strength of the materials, the size of the stones, and it can span greater distances which might be conceived of with stone beams. The arch itself has two essential characteristics— First, it carries an entire load of compression, that is, counterbalancing against itself, which allows for the construction using the most basic materials known to the ancient world, stone, brick, and concrete. Yet the second characteristic of the arch is equally significant. An arch requires both vertical and horizontal reactions to carry a load. The downward load of the arch is balanced by an upward reaction from the base. Both the Arch of Titus and Pont de Garde aqueduct are still standing and can be seen as magnificent examples of this Roman innovation. I wanted to use this dual load system, whereby an arch supports not only great weight, but aesthetic engineering designs to discuss how a chief compliance officer or compliance professional can develop resources to implement a best practices compliance program. Funding of a such a compliance program is always one of the biggest challenges. Short of being in the middle of a worldwide anti-corruption investigation, you are never going to receive all of the funding you want or even think you're going to need. However, this corporate reality is not going to save you if the government comes knocking. The FCPA Resource Guide 2nd Edition provides the following. Moreover, the amount of resources devoted to compliance will depend on the company's size, complexity, industry, geographic reach, and risks associated with the business. In assessing whether a company has reasonable internal controls, the Department of Justice and Securities and Exchange Commission typically will consider the company whether the company has devoted adequate staffing and resources to the compliance program given the size, structure, and risk profile of the business. Stephen Martin often that an inquiry from a prosecutor might make is along the lines of the following. First, what is the company's annual budget, compliance budget for the past year? If the answer started like, we did all we could with 100,000, 200,000, 500,000, you name the figure, the next question from the prosecutor might be, how much was the corporate budget for post-it notes last year? 
The answer was, is always in the seven-figure range. Then the prosecutor's KO punch question would be, which is more important, i.e. business critical for your business, complying with the FCPA or post-it notes? Unfortunately, most companies spent far more on post-it notes than they are willing to invest in their compliance program. This corporate reality will allow you to look to other areas to assist your compliance function. An obvious starting place is in human resources. There are several areas in which HR can bring expertise and, in my experience, enthusiasm to the compliance function. Some of the reasons include the fact that HR is physically located or touches every site in the company globally. HR is seen as more approachable than many departments in a corporation, unfortunately, including the compliance function. A a person's first touch point with the company is often HR in the interview process. If not the interview process, it is certainly true after a hire is made. Use this approachability and use HR to help drive your message of compliance. HR has several key areas of expertise, such as discrimination and harassment. But beyond this expertise, HR has a direct accountability for these areas. It does not take very long or a very large step to expand this expertise into assistance for compliance. HR is often on the front lines for hotline intake and response. These initial responses may include triage of the complaint and investigation. With some additional training, you can create a supplemental investigative team for the compliance function. Clearly, HR puts on training. By training the trainers on compliance, you may well create an additional training force for your compliance department. HR can also give compliance advice on the style and tone of training. This is where the things that might not work, or rather the things that might work and even be legally mandated in Texas, may not work in other areas of the globe. And such advice can be of great assistance. But more than just putting on the training, HR often maintains employee records on training certificates and certifications to your company's code of conduct and compliance and requirements. This can be a document repository for your document portion of your compliance program. Internal audit is another function you may want to look at for for assistance. Obviously, internal audit should have access to your company's accounting systems. This can enable them to pull data for ongoing monitoring. This may allow you to move forward towards continuous controls monitoring on an internal basis. Similarly, one of the areas of core competency of internal audit should be internal controls. You can have an internal audit assist in a gap analysis to understand what internal controls your company might be missing from the compliance perspective. Just as this corporate function name implies, internal audit routinely performs internal audits of a company. You can use this routine job duty to assist compliance. There will be an assisting audit schedule, and you can provide some standard compliance issues to be on each audit. Further compliance risks can also be evaluated in this process. Similar to the audit function are investigations. With some additional training, internal audit should be able to assist the compliance function to carry out or participate in internal compliance investigations. Lastly, internal audit should be able to assist the compliance function to improve controls following investigations. A corporate IT department has several functions which can also assist compliance. First and foremost, IT controls IT equipment and access to data. This can help you facilitate investigations by giving you access to email and access to databases within the company. The 2020 update to the evaluation of corporate 
compliance programs mandated this act this access to other databases. So you should be able to utilize that to do away with the silos within your company, even within the IT function. Similar to these functions, IT can also be a policy owner as a subject matter expert. So you can turn to them for any of your compliance program requirements, which may need a policy that touches on these areas. The final consideration for IT assistance is around internal corporate communications. IT enables communications within your company. You can use IT to set up your internal company intranet, online training, newsletters, or often mentioned compliance reminders that were discussed in the Morgan Stanley Declination of 2013. Finally, do not forget your business teams. You can, embed a, you can embed a compliance champion in all divisions and functions within your company. You can take this a step further by placing a facility compliance officer at every site or location where you might have a large facility or corporate presence. Such local assets can provide feedback for new policies to let you know if they do not make sense, because making sense is always important. In some new environments, a policy may not work. If your company uses an SAP system and you make an acquisition of an entity which does not have this as an ERP system, your company policy may need to be modified or amended. A business unit can assist to help provide a push for training and communications to others similarly situated. One thing the local compliance champions can assist with is helping to set up and coordinate personnel for interviews of employees. This often overlooked function, this is an often overlooked function rather, but it facilitates local coordination, which is always easier than simply from the corporate office. All of these other corporate functions can greatly assist you in the actual doing of compliance. Moreover, in a resource-constrained environment, these corporate disciplines can be used to strengthen your compliance program in a manner similar to vertical and transverse integration of the structural integrity presented in the form of a Roman arch. Finally, just as the Roman arch utilized some of the most basic construction elements in existence, stone, cement, and concrete, by using other corporate disciplines engaged precisely in their corporate functions, you can create a strong foundation in your compliance program. I hope you will join us tomorrow for part four, where we take a look at the intersection of the Gothic Cathedral and compliance incentives. This is Tom Fox again. You've enjoyed this third episode of in a five-part series where I'm going to take a look at great buildings and structures from antiquity to modernity and consider them in the context of a best practices compliance program. This series is based upon the teaching company lecture series of the same topic. This special series on greetings and felicitations is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.